2: is the pack a day podcast
3: Everyone, and Welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day Podcast. It is Sunday morning. It is game day in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The Packers are on the road to take on the Minnesota Vikings in a game that really will determine whether or not they have any real chance whatsoever of making the postseason. Their chances right now appear pretty slim, but a win against the Vikings would go a long way to getting them in the proper direction I am your host this evening. I am Jacob Westendorf and joined with me as always, California native Zach Jacobson. Zach, please tell me it's forty degrees warmer there than it is here.
4: Well it depends. What's your what's your gauge? I mean how how cold is it over there?
3: It is thirty degrees and there is snow on the ground.
4: I'd say we're about thirty-five degrees warmer over here. Yeah, we're that's... In like the mid sixties. No snow, no snow.
3: No snow, never snow. Have you ever seen snow in your home state?
4: Fun fact, I have actually seen snow once in California, and that was only when I was up in the mountains in Big Bear, and I was, I was, I had to have been at least 12 years old. I haven't seen snow in over a decade. It has been 11 years since I've seen snow.
3: Well, let me tell you, as somebody who sees snow every year around this time of year, you are not missing much. Uh, But we're not here to talk about the weather. We are here to talk about football. And the Packers, as I mentioned, play the Minnesota Vikings. But that is not the biggest storyline tonight somehow. Touchdown Jesus. Preseason superstar Jake Kumaro, One galvanizing moment, as some are calling him now, has returned. He has been activated from injured reserve. He may or may not be active this evening. We will find out just about how that goes. Zach, this is another preseason darling, and we know all about those in Green Bay. You know, before it was Jake Kumaro, it was Jeff Janis. And before Jeff Janis, it was Jared Aberderis. And before those two guys, uh, it was Vic Odo, the outside linebacker. And none of those guys really panned out. The only one I can really think of, of panning out, is... Uh, Joe Thomas and that was as a inside linebacker and he kind of had a nominal role as a role player he's carved out a decent role for himself he's still in the league but I mean he wasn't even really anything special either and with my apologies to Michael Clark I know that's your son I can't believe I did not mention him but he was another one of those guys that I mean he did retire but you know when he did play it wasn't like it was a role he had carved out either so Zach. Ian Rappaport was on television on Friday the day after Thanksgiving and talking about how the Packers could get a boost from a little-known playmaker. Are expectations for Jake Kummerow too high? I mean what are your expectations at this point? Because this is a guy who he's not exactly a young guy. He's He's been in the league for a little while. He's never caught a regular season pass and he's never played in a game where the stats that count. So I mean it just feels like there's too much going into the Jake Kumero stock. Why do you think that is, and should we temper our expectations?
4: I, I mean, it's just that stellar, those stellar two preseason games he had, where he kind of burst onto the scene, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, this!" I don't want to upset the Wisconsin, the Wisconsin faithful, but this, this white. University of Wisconsin Whitewater receiver is bursting onto the scene, and he is he's racking up his, yard, his, his, yard, his yards. And Aaron Rodgers having to trust in him, and he looks like he could be like the next best thing in this offense. And you know, it's a guy that spent three years in Cincinnati. He spent uh, part of the offseason with the Patriots practice squad. Then he found his way to Green Bay, and now all of a sudden things are starting to click with him with Rodgers and. You know, that's the biggest thing. It's not whether or not you know he's activated or not, but if Rogers trusts him, then he'll be out there. You know, he'll he'll get his reps. You know, there's no doubt about that, and it's just a matter of can he have the same amount of success against real competition in the regular season as opposed to the preseason backups he was going up against. I'm sure he was going up against some starters in the preseason. I don't, I don't have the splits in front of me or anything, but. You know, he he looked really damn good. And that is enough, obviously, to incite some excitement amongst Packer fans, because this could, like Roger said, this could be the galvanizing moment. He was obviously joking, but hey, this could be just another receiver, another target that he could trust and build even more trust in going forward with these last six games. But it's, you know, it's just crazy. I I think it'll be funny as hell if all this hype, all this build-up surrounds Kumaro leading into Sunday night's game, and he ends up not even being activated for the game. He's one of the he's one of the, the game day inactives, or he is active and he plays not even ten snaps because that just seems like that seems like the kind of thing the Packers would do. Maybe he's just not even ready. You know, maybe from a schematic standpoint, maybe he's not ready to slip back into the whole the whole offensive system. We'll we'll see.
3: Yeah, we will see. And, I mean, I think you made a really good point there is, you know, now if he plays Sunday night, the Packers don't play a ton of four or five wide receiver sets. So if he is in his three wide receiver set, let's assume Randall Cobb is inactive. Then he would be taking reps from, I would guess, uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Rodgers has very clearly been upset with him a couple different times. Brown is talented, uh, but the mental side of things has not clicked yet, and that's been pretty clear on a few different plays, and it's been pretty obvious When it has happened and been due to the fault of his own, the other question with Kumro though, as you mentioned it, you know, he had those two stellar preseason games, but Sunday night, if he's on the field, you know, he's not facing Zach Jacobson and Jacob Westendorf at cornerback anymore. He's facing Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne's and Mackenzie Alexander, and those guys are legit NFL starters. Uh, So that would be definitely a concern. I would say temper your expectations. I really don't know how much he's going to play, and if he does. That's another one I, I don't know how effective he can be. Uh, again, you know, he's a – sometimes the light does come on late for people. There are late bloomers. I understand that. The odds are against him, though. He's been in the league for a while. He's never played in a meaningful NFL game. Sunday night would be his first shot at that, and it would be a surprise to me to see him playing – not only playing over guys like Valdez Scantling, St. Brown, uh, even Jamon Moore, who hasn't done much – but he's been higher on the, you know, on the depth chart, I should say. You know, active, he's received some snaps. Seeing him play a lot and contribute over those guys, that would be surprising to me. Um, but you know, it's catch the fever, man. There's always a folk hero in Green Bay. You know, before, like I mentioned, before it was Jake Kumaro, it was Jeff Janis, and before it was Jeff Janis, it was John Kuhn. and you can go all the way back to the days of Bill Schrader. Um, I'll let you draw your conclusions from there. Speaking of those conclusions, uh, Kyler Fackrell. Yeah, we're not, oh,
4: yeah, We're not, we're not, we're, we're not here to shit all over your guys' hopes and dreams either. We no. To, like Jacob said, if you want to catch the fever, then go right ahead. You know, he, he, the Packers could be at that point in the season with six games left, where they have that sense of urgency and they want to plug this guy in and, and get him some meaningful reps and see what he can do in live game atmosphere. So we'll see. We'll see from there.
3: Yeah, we will. I mean, it remains to be seen if he'll if he'll be a contributor to the offense or not, but there's six games left, maybe more if the Packers are able to win a few games specifically on the road. In order to do that, they're going to need to rush the passer, and really, the best pass rusher on this team this year has been Kyler Fackrell, and I publicly apologized to him after the Seattle game a couple different times. I've been very hard on him. I didn't think he was any good. I think that most people that have seen him play felt the same way. Um, you know, most notably maybe Aaron Nagler, the founder of Cheesehead TV, has publicly apologized to him as well. Fackrell, in my opinion, here's the thing. From a counting stat standpoint, it's funny because from just counting stats, Kyler Fackrell and Khalil Mack have the same amount of sacks between the two of them. They are tied. Now, I am not by any means telling you that Kyler Fackrell is a better player than Khalil Mack because that would be ridiculous homerism, drugs, I mean, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that, wouldn't be, uh, that wouldn't be smart to say something like that. However, um, he has played better than I thought. He is the best pass rusher on this team. My question for you, Zach, is I'm saying he's the best pass rusher on a team that includes Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, preseason darling reggie gilbert mike daniels kenny clark even to some degree what does that say about the packers let's let's throw clark and daniels out of there i mentioned them because they are pass rushers to some degree but they're not pass rushers by trade if you know what i mean so what does that say about the packers edge rushing group that a guy who really looked like a potential roster cut is now their best pass rusher what does that say about their edge rushing group as a whole
4: I think it tells you that just Mike Penn, he can make these guys better. You know, at least he's showing up with Kyler Fackle. But as a group, I mean, Nick Perry, I think at this point, he is what he is. Clay Matthews, next season, if the Packers do end up bringing him back, which there's a apparently a very low possibility that they do end up bringing him back. He, he might not be in more... Anything more than like a rotational role, like a backup, you know, or even if they do end up making them like a full-time move to middle linebacker and have them played in, in a specific role there in, in certain downs. But it, it's just insane. I I didn't even have him making the roster coming out of coming out of the preseason. He was one of my one of my cut downs. So to have him have the same amount of sacks as Khalil Mack. And Max is played in nine games this season. So you take Toyo Max nine games, he has eight sacks in nine games. Take Kyler Fackrell's last seven or eight games, and he has eight sacks. It, it, the, the production is insane. Granted, six of those sacks came in two games, but still, it just shows that this group overall, it is not very good when Kyler Fackrell is your best pass rusher. I, I, I don't care what his numbers are this season. Like you said, some late bloomers, they arise at some point. You know, some guys, it clicks for some guys, some guys it never does. Those guys fall out of the league. But that girl, it could be starting, the light bulb could be starting to turn on above his head. We don't know yet. You know, but as of right now, he looks like he is by far the best pass rusher on this team right now. And as far as Reggie Gilbert goes, I mean, he has been just absolutely underwhelming, in my opinion, based off of the expectations we had for him coming out of the preseason, especially.
3: Yeah, he has, and you know, he was kind of the darling coming out of preseason. People wondering, should he start over Clay Matthews or Nick Perry? And it's really turned out, I mean, Gilbert, he's kind of been the third best pass rusher on this team by default, and I say by default because Nick Perry has been little more than a tackling dummy to this point this season. He's been injured, and when he hasn't been injured, uh, he hasn't done a whole lot in terms of production, so... The Packers have a lot of questions to answer as far as their edge rushing group. I know that those of you that are interested in the Cheesehead TV draft guide should be all over that. Ross Uglum does a great job with his edge rankings every single year. And this year's a big year for the Packers because we've been talking about them taking a pass rusher for years. I mean, the reason that the TJ Watt Kevin King argument exists for many reasons, but one of those reasons is that. Watt is a pass rusher and Kevin King is not and the Packers don't have a lot of pass rushers so it's understandable from that standpoint that the argument still exists now some of the other ones I'm not so sure but that's not what really we're here to discuss so the Packers have a lot to do you know we I've talked about it before I've talked about it publicly here's your here's your rant and I'll do it I'll you know shrink it down a little bit since 2011 Big investments in the outside linebacker position. The Packers have drafted Nick Perry in the first round. That was in 2011. They signed Julius Peppers in 2013, uh, going into 2014. And they drafted Kyler Fackrell in the top 100. That is it in terms of big investments they've made. And one of the reasons that the Packers' pass rushing unit is as bad as it is this year is because of how they've neglected that position. So that's something to watch. But Fackrell is at least, in my opinion... If Kyler Fackrell is your third edge player, meaning your first guy off the bench to spell some of your starters, I think you're in decent shape. Um, and I really think that that's something I hope Brian Gutekunst feels as well when the offseason hits. You know, the reality is they need to get at least one stud, you know, if not if not two. And I know finding stud pass rushers isn't exactly like finding peanut butter in a cabinet. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. But they need to figure out a way to do it because that's the position they're in At this point, Uh, Zach, there's a game tonight that we haven't really touched on yet. They play the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. They've never won there. Uh, Two years ago, they lost on Sunday Night Football to a Sam Bradford led team, Aaron Rodgers, through a late interception to Trey Waynes. In that game, the Packers lost 17 14. It might have been Mike Daniels' best game of his career. That's about all I remember from that game. And I remember that I went to the hospital afterwards. Uh, So the joke is that the Packers put me in the hospital that night. That's not what happened. We're not here to talk about that anyways. So we'll just move forward from that. The other game, Anthony Barr, Aaron Rodgers, you know the story from there. Uh, The Packers have never won there. They need to win there now because this is it. Uh, This is their season. I mean, their chances of making the playoffs aren't great regardless. But in order to have a – at least a puncher's chance of making the playoffs. They are going to have to win games on the road, and that starts against Minnesota. They haven't won a game on the road this year. That's been a big storyline. Obviously, let's look at the Vikings, though, Zach. After last season, the Vikings obviously their season ends. They get the Minneapolis miracle against the New Orleans Saints. Most likely, if they have if the Saints make a tackle, the Vikings go one and done. And maybe the off season hype isn't as big as it was, but. It wasn't. They went to the NFC Championship game and they got bombed by the Eagles in Philadelphia. Never even really all that close. They go out. They sign Kirk Cousins. They have three quarterbacks on their roster last year. Teddy Bridgewater, who I don't blame them for not signing. I don't think you can feel good about betting on him as your starting quarterback. Case Keenum, who was in Denver. And Sam Bradford, another guy. Again, I don't really think they can. I can blame them for not trying to sign him. However, here's the thing with... The Vikings. They go out, obviously. They sign my personal favorite quarterback, Kirk Cousins. And those of you that have paid attention to me over the years know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. And that that is complete sarcasm. They give him $84 million guaranteed. Now, when you do that... <laughs> I love that you're laughing in the background about it. <laughs> because
4: <But, laughs> I, 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 share, I share like every last bit of sentiment that you have to say about Kirk
3: Cousins. Oh, my God. He's just... He's weird and like on the field. I'm convinced that fantasy football yeah. didn't exist, Did he? yes, yes, the Uvike that thing, the just everything, even his commercial about his uh, what is it, mattress? I believe he's a sponsor for a mattress company, even that's a little weird. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just him, but either way, that's <laughs> they give him all that money to be their starting quarterback, and everybody's like, okay, they got a legit quarterback, and now that was a team that was a quarterback away from a Super Bowl roster. And if you look at their offense, Stephon Diggs is really good. Adam Thielen is really good. He's not better than Devontae Adams, but he is very good. Dalvin Cook is good. He's not better than Aaron Jones, but he is very good. Kyle Rudolph is a serviceable tight end. The Vikings have a good roster on offense, and their defense last year was one of the best in the league, if not the best, and they still have one of the best defenses in football this year and it hasn't gone as planned. The Vikings are currently, I mean, they sit one game ahead of Green Bay right now and all of us think that the Packers are fantastically average. Is kind of the best way to put that right now. Zach, you give all that money to Kirk Cousins and they're not, I mean, when you give him that money, you're thinking 13 and 3, 14 and 2, legitimate Super Bowl contender. Is that contract already a waste?
4: Oh, God, I thought it was a waste the day after they signed it. <laughs> it Kurt, it's Kurt Cousins! It's Kurt freaking Cousins! There's, he has literally never done anything at the quarterback position that has made me go, wow, look at this guy. Look at that throw! Oh, my God, I gotta back the freaking nap trip up for this guy. And, and, and just unload all this money onto him this, this $84 million contract for 19 touchdowns and 7 picks granted he does have a he's thrown over 70% completion, but, uh, completion but so did Sam Bradford two years ago yep maybe it's just maybe it's just that offense maybe it's just playing in Minnesota that's just how you know the the, the completions. I mean had he out in the field and Stephon Diggs there that obviously helps I mean Dylan has, like, one of the best catch percentages in the league right now. Even better than Devontae Adams. And obviously, it pains me to say that, considering the, the top five receiver campaign I've been leading. But, um, yeah, it, I, I just, I was never a fan of that contract to begin with. And don't get me wrong, like, I, you know, if you're, a play, if you're playing in the National Football League and you're risking your body every weekend, Go get your freaking money. Absolutely. You know, you are... But I mean... Yeah, but I, I mean... Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins, is, Kirk Cousins is the type of type of dude to eat a, a, a sandwich. Between two, two pieces of bread with just mayonnaise slopped all over. That's <laughs> a sandwich. He's the only <laughs> kind of person to eat that kind of sandwich. I, I feel like it's the perfect embodiment of Kirk Cousins.
3: Oh, my God. Okay, that's perfect. Here's my thing with Kirk is, first of all, his general manager, it seemed very purposely called him Kurt with a T instead of Kirk with a K. That's not a good sign. Washington had chances to sign this dude to a long-term contract. They never did. They thought Alex Smith was a better option, and that's no disrespect to Alex Smith, but they're in the same tier of quarterback. So Washington paying Alex Smith was actually kind of stupid as well, but that's another topic. Cousins, if fantasy football didn't exist, people would think Kirk Cousins sucks. But since it does exist, he's one of the top quarterbacks every year in terms of fantasy numbers. He's perfect in garbage time. He is the garbage time king as far as I'm concerned. Maybe right up there with Matthew Stafford as far as production coming in garbage time. The the Vikings... God bless their hearts, thought that was worth their time of almost $30 million a season, $84 million guaranteed. Kirk Cousins, if nothing else, is a wonderful self-marketer to get himself that contract. And the Vikings, I mean, honestly, I get it. You think you had a Super Bowl-ready roster, but, I mean, really, and I'm not saying Case Keenum is a better quarterback because he's not, but you would have been better off signing Case Keenum for half the price drafting a quarterback and going from there instead of, I mean, this is a three-year contract. They very easily could move on from him after those three years, but I imagine the Vikings will be competitive enough to where they won't want to do that. So you're looking at probably six years worth of Kirk Cousins leading you into the abyss. And here's the other, here's the other bit that I have. I am by no means a quarterback wins guy. Do not take that as this is a QB wins thing, because it is not. However, Kirk Cousins, his teams in Washington never beat a team that finished above five hundred. Or that was above five hundred at the time. They never won a playoff game. They looked actually really bad in the one playoff game that he did play in against a Green Bay team that quite honestly we all know the twenty fifteen team wasn't all that good. And whenever they play a good team, he pisses his pants. I mean, that's that's really the best way I think I can put it is He's just not very good. He's one of those dudes. He's kind of in that same tier as he doesn't even have the physical talent as Matthew Stafford, but someone like that from the standpoint of, you know Matt Stafford's going to beat up on the bad teams, and anytime he plays somebody good, you guys watch the game on Thanksgiving, the Lions have the ball with a chance to go down and win that game, and what does Stafford do? He stares down a play, throws a pick six. What did Kirk Cousins do against the Bears the other night? And, again, the Bears have the best defense in football. I know that. But you paid him $84 million guaranteed to not look incompetent against those defenses. So that's something you cannot do. You can't pay that guy if you have no confidence in him performing against a defense like that. So, Zach, I feel like we got on a bit of a tangent, but do you have anything else to add about about my buddy Kirk? And I know that this is all going to sound really stupid when he inevitably throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns. But anything else to add?
4: Well, he, he probably will throw for that much. I mean, he, he put up 425 against Green Bay in Week 2. and
3: With an asterisk.
4: To be fair, the Packers, with an asterisk, yeah. I mean, a lot of those yards shouldn't have come, shouldn't have happened late in that game, but obviously that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, that's really, you know, I feel like I got all of my, my pent-up frustration about Kirk Cousins out. Well, most of it. So I think I'm good
3: for now So what I can say off of that is God bless The Minnesota it's probably Vikings best
4: actually, Yeah God bless you guys It's probably best to I stay quiet Otherwise this is going to turn PG-13 <laughs>
3: Well we don't need that I don't want to get yelled at by Andy afterwards so, um, Sorry Andy Yeah sorry ahead of time But there is a game The Packers play the Vikings as I've mentioned They need to win Zach what is the matchup Because these two teams have played before Both teams probably feel like they should have won that game. What is the matchup that Green Bay has in their favor that they need to exploit in order to win this game? Minnesota right now is a six-point favorite, and that sounds about right, all things considered. So it would be an upset if Green Bay won, and a decently sized one. Um, But how do you feel, what do you feel that Green Bay needs to exploit the most in order to win this game?
4: Well, I think there's actually a really good piece up right now She said, TV by Matt Kelly, one of our writers. He, he does it every week. It's the uh, opponent by the numbers, where he just pretty much self-scouts the whole, uh, in the words of Mike McCarthy, he self-scouts <laughs> the opponent. So this week, obviously, he was a Minnesota Vikings. And he made a very good point about Devontae Adams getting a lot of double coverage, He's going to be getting a lot of safety off of the top, and they won't have to worry about Andrew uh, Sandeo. He won't. He's going to be out. He's already rolled out. So you will have to worry about Harrison Smith, who is about twice the player as Sandeo. So Devontae Adams wasn't likely going to be double teamed. What does that mean? With Jimmy Graham and his broken thumb, that probably means if Randall Cobb plays, he's currently questionable with that hamstring injury that he's been battling since the Redskins game months, two months ago it could be a big day for him in the slot. He just has to be out there on the field if he's healthy. Obviously the Packers are going to push him if he's not ready to play because hamstring injuries are so tricky but if Devontae Adams is drawing double coverage or if Marquez valdez scantling even is drawing double coverage because he was a couple weeks ago uh, I believe it was against the New England Patriots he was getting doubled so and it's crazy saying that about this this rookie this fifth round rookie but he, he was getting double teamed so he obviously has that capacity on the field where he can draw some of the team's best defenders to his side. That just opened things up. Underneath, Aaron Rodgers needs to look downfield. He needs to look underneath instead of keep continuously looking downfield. So if he keeps checking down, downfield, and looks for guys underneath, crossers, anything, checkdowns out of the backfield, to Aaron Jones, who missed the first matchup of this season against the Minnesota Vikings in Week 2, he could have Cobb there, or epidemic the St. Brown, or they decide to roll within the slot, it could be a big day for Cobb if he does end up stepping up and playing.
3: Yeah, it could be, and that's one that's interesting. Um, you mentioned, you know, the quick passing game. I think that's something that they have to uh, they have to get that as a big staple of their game plan because this Vikings defense, this Vikings front on turf, if you want to run those long developing, you know, long developing isolation plays you're asking for them to sack your quarterback six or seven times, especially on that turf because the Vikings just play faster on there. And it's a a tough matchup with Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin, who's been back. And really all those guys. I mean, the Vikings have a very good pass rush. They have a very good defense. I know that maybe it's not as good as it was last year, but last year's defense was, I mean, I don't want to say all-time great because I think that's overused, but they were very, very good. Uh, One of the best defenses we've seen in the last 10 years or so. Uh, They would rank, not at the top of the list, but, you know, towards it. Um, Very good defense, but my my matchup is Adam Thielen because I imagine, you know, the last time these two teams played, Jair Alexander did a very good job on Stefan Diggs. The only time that Diggs really got anything going in that game was when they threw Devon House on him, which I still, to this day, don't understand how that happened. And then late in the game, they had Tremont Williams on him, which with all due respect to Tremont Williams, he shouldn't be one-on-one iso up with Stephon Diggs if they can help it. So I would imagine they've learned from that this time around and that Jair Alexander will be following Stephon Diggs. Adam Thielen is the matchup that they need to figure out a way to limit as much as possible because Thielen's going to get his. He's a very good player, so we know that. However, if that's Josh Jackson, if it's Kevin King who's questionable, Uh, Tony Brown is probably going to get a lot of snaps because Bashad Breland is also questionable. The Packers have to figure out a way. You're not going to win that matchup. That matchup is not in your favor, so you're not going to win it. But you have to figure out a way. You know, there's matchups that Green Bay can win on their side as well. The Vikings have to figure out a way to limit those. The Packers have to figure out a way to limit that matchup. So my guess off the jump is that Josh Jackson will be the guy, assuming that King doesn't play. If King does play, then it gets a little more interesting, but. If Kevin King doesn't play, I think Josh Jackson is your guy. And he struggled. That's my son. I'll be the first to admit that. He struggled. He's got to grow up a little bit this week and make a big play. So that's the matchup I think they have to win if they're going to slow down this offense. Because, I mean, as we've seen, Zach, this Packers offense is not capable, by anything we've seen this year, of going score for score with anybody and having to score 30 points. They scored 30 points once this season, if I remember correctly. So... They've got to play defense. They're going to have to win that way, and they got to play quick passing. So we are out of time. Uh, that is going to do it for today's show. Tonight, the Packers play the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. It's a 7.30 kickoff, so we are waiting all day for Sunday night, as Carrie Underwood used to say, before this game will start. Uh, be sure to follow the show on Twitter. It is the Pack A Day podcast. You can follow Zach personally at
4: Zach A. Jacobson on
3: Twitter. And that, find
4: me
3: TV. And that is Zach with a C-H, not Zach with a K. So get it right. you. Whatever. I don't even know what to call you. I don't want to be too mean. So, there you go. There you go. Get it right. <laughs> um, you can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf. Uh, and feel free. Interact everything like that. Um, it's going to be a fun night. This is what, you know, rivalry games are always fun. The Packers have to win. This could be... A pivot point. I mean, we may, after last week's game, we may have called it the beginning of the end of the Mike McCarthy era. If they lose tonight, it really is the beginning of the end of the Mike McCarthy era. But thanks for listening to the show, guys, and tune into tonight's game and all of our other shows. And as always, go, pack, go.
2: Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the, the end zone. zone. touchdown! Yes. Yes. Samadai Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. Sixteen yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point, away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third down and three in the shotgun. Football to the forty-six at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking as he throws it deep down the right sideline. Intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Santa to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side thing. Brown makes the carry. Oh, he reached back to gather it in. Using all six five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, Looking downfield. Throws the left side. Yes. It together, out of bounds. Inside the 10-yard line. Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. He it's good. He is good. Yes. 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 Mason yes. delivers the dagger. Go. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.